Welcome to Design Talk. This season's theme is Designing Organizations. We'll be talking with entrepreneurs and product owners about building teams, shaping organizations, working with partners, suppliers, and customers. Welcome to the Design Talk podcast. I'm Francisca. And I'm Case. Our guest today is Nicole Scully, a strategy manager in Accenture. You're very welcome to the podcast, Nicole. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and Accenture to start off, please? Great. Um, thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. Um, when I was coming through this morning, I felt like I was only here a few months ago, but time flies. So I did my master's in digital innovation here between 2016 and 2018. So I did a part-time um, and Alan was one of my uh, lecturers. Um, I did at the same time that I joined um, Accenture as a graduate. Um, so I joined their um, analyst consulting program back in 2016. And I've been there ever since. I think Francesca, you reminded me it's been nearly six years. So that's crazy to think. Um, during my time there, I've worked in many different areas. So for those that don't know, um, Accenture is a professional services company. And, you know, to, to, to keep it short, we help our clients with the most complex problems that they face both today and in the future. And we do that in a variety of different ways. So we offer a range of services from strategy and consulting, which is where I sit. Then we have analytics, interactive technology, which I understand you're joining, and operations as well. So we have a, a full suite of, of offerings. Um, so yeah. How did you find the um, studying while also working was a challenge? I'm really glad that I decided to do it just so I was starting work. Um, I think if I was to go back now, I'd find it really challenging. Um, but I guess I was just used to kind of having very limited time. Um, I think also because I just joined the company as well, my projects weren't as time consuming as well. So I did have time. Um, I think Smurf was brilliant in, in the way that it scheduled its lectures always in the evening times. Um, so it was kind of easy to attend them that way. Um, unfortunately, now we didn't have the virtual. So that would have been a nice option to be able to, to log in wherever you were in client site. Um, but no, it worked really well. And I, I think it really benefited me because I didn't have too much work experience when I started this master's. Um, and I think the things that I was learning in the in the lecture theater, I was really able to put into practice immediately. And that was really interesting to be able to experiment the things that we were learning about in class. So although it was a challenge, I think it was beneficial overall. And is further education kind of, um, was it you pushing it or is Accenture very open to that kind of thing? I think it's both. Um, I think I'm always, I'm a keen learner and I'm always moving on to kind of the next thing. So. Um, it was both Accenture is super supportive in whatever you want to do. And I think a lot of the companies are. Um, so they give us a amount of money per year that we can use towards training. And I've, I think I've used that every year. So um, <laughs> it was brilliant for the masters. And then since I've gone on to do kind of project management courses, and I'm currently studying for my CMAS. Um, so that's the accounting qualification. Um, that was something I decided to take on during COVID. I was like, what, what can I do that will be worthwhile? So I started studying for kind of the management accounting. Uh, for someone starting out, could you sketch the learning journey to become a consultant? Yes, absolutely. So I did my undergraduate in commerce in UCD. It's a very similar path yeah. to yourself. <laughs> and full, full transparency, I didn't know what consulting was in my first couple of years. Um, and UCD with the commerce degree offer you the opportunity to do a year-long internship. And I was delighted at this. So in your penultimate year, you go and you do an internship. And I was really fortunate to secure mine with Skype in London. So Skype had just been 
acquired by Microsoft in, in recent years. So that was brilliant to work kind of for the two organizations. So it was kind of there that my eyes were opened to um, the world of consulting and everyone was like, you should really get into consulting. It seems like you'd be, you know, a good, a good candidate for that career. Um, so that's sort of how I first heard about consulting. And then I applied for the um, analyst consulting program that Accenture were offering at the time and secured it that way. Um, I think joining as a consultant or as an analyst consultant at the time, I think you just need to be a keen listener. Like you need to always ask questions, always listen to what's happening. It's such an accelerated path in terms of career-wise, like you're always going to the next level. And I think just always being that keen learner, asking the questions, taking on the responsibility um, in a safe environment um, are all kind of things that I would um, recommend. Excellent. Um, and as you can see, we're doing kind of a hybrid model in here today. So um, what are like the challenges that you faced working in a kind of hybrid or fully remote during COVID environment? Yeah, it was really challenging at the start. Um, I think we were all excited when, the first, when we were first told working from home because it was something that was so new. And we thought it was going to be two weeks. We were like, this is brilliant. We won't have to get into the suit. Like, <laughs> But then obviously it was not two yeah. weeks. <laughs> um, I think for me personally, I find it so difficult to switch off, um, particularly at the time, because I thought it was two weeks. I was like, I'll just do this from my room and it'll be grand. And I find it so difficult to switch off, particularly like just small things like not getting ready for work, like wearing your kind of at home clothes is really difficult then to kind of switch off. So I had to move to a different room and I got up every morning and I tried to do my morning routine. So get ready for work into an actual, what I would wear to the office. I felt that really helped in terms of setting boundaries. And also again, not staying on all night. Like just because the laptop's there and it's accessible does not mean that you need to stay at your desk the whole time. In terms of collaboration, I was quite fortunate that I'd already been in Accenture for quite a while. So I knew a lot of people. But we had gone through a recent rework. So I was working with a lot of people that I'd never met in person. And so that comes with challenges. Um, I think one thing that I've learned is when you're joining a call, you'd never join a meeting and go straight to business. Whereas what was happening for the two years was we'd join and it would be straight down to business and not talk about anything like your weekend or anything personal. And I think just small things like that, like holding five minutes at the start just to see how everyone's doing and just do a check is so important. I think particularly for new joiners that were joining during COVID, it must have been so difficult to kind of gauge the culture, particularly in a place like Accenture where the culture is so strong and, you know, everyone's great friends and it's, it is just such a strong culture. It must have been really difficult. Um, so I think we did learn along the way, but I think at the start it was challenging in that it was just straight down to business and you were going from call to call, which would never happen in the office. Like when we return now, we returned probably January, February timeframe. And this idea of having a call at 10 to 11 and then 11 to 12, it just doesn't happen in the office. So we're, we're really learning. And I think now as we go to a hybrid of in-person and, and virtual, we're learning that and, and we're adopting it um, a lot better. Thanks. Um, talking about uh, culture, what does your ideal client organization look like? Yeah, so for me, I love working with clients who is accepting of Accenture or whatever consulting firm is working. You know, really having a collaborative relationship with the client is so important. Um, so, you know, traditional views would be, you know, us and them. So the consulting firm are completely external and they come in and they do a job and they hand over a, a PowerPoint presentation. That's great. But what's much better is if it's co-creation the whole way through because you end up with a better product and a product that suits the client more. So for me, the environment that's ideal is 
that you're all working together. There's no us and them. It's, you know, everyone's working together towards a common goal. So that's would be my my preference um, to kind of working collaborative from start to finish. And I think it just results in the product being exactly where the service being exactly what the client wants because they've inputted so much to it. So it, it is beneficial on both sides. Um, and you were saying that you have a very strong culture in Accenture. So how do you think that you maintain that healthy corporate culture, both within the firm and also with your clients? Yeah, so I think what I always recommend doing at the start of a project, particularly if we're looking at from a client perspective, is to really have a kickoff meeting where you talk about kind of the ground rules, let's say. And you all have kind of common goals that you want to achieve. And, and during those meetings, it's important to kind of get to know each other and understand what people are doing because there's a lot of people who you know have commitments they may have children they may have sporting activities so just getting that understanding as to what you know people's commitments are is really important because then you know if you don't know you can't you know facilitate it so I think having that kind of kickoff meeting and then as I said like I think we're so work focused sometimes that we're going from meeting to meeting it's all business but I think having you know one or two even just once once or twice a week having either virtual or in person like a coffee like just whether you don't talk about business is so important um particularly from an Accenture perspective like we have new joiners and just understanding where they've come from their background what they like to do and not just be all about business um I think is is the most important and then obviously hopefully we'll get back to having the the dinners and the nights out and stuff but while we don't have them it's good to have kind of the virtual coffees and that type of thing in another one of our classes we've been talking lately a lot about like connection and how important that is in the culture I think it's interesting to hear that you have the same experience that kind of forming a connection with people really does accelerate the culture so it's really interesting Talking about also goals, um, what is your go-to workshop uh, or format for gathering customer requirements? Great. <laughs> so I love workshops. Um, I think it's a great opportunity, particularly with clients, to just get them out of their day-to-day -day thinking. I ideally like to bring the clients outside of their environment. So wherever they currently work Monday to Friday, um, I like to bring them somewhere else. And that's brilliant the way with Accenture we have so many offices that we can are fortunate enough to do that um, but even if it's you have to do it in the client site bring them to a different floor or something um, my ideal type and format of a workshop is to first bring to them some thought leadership that they you know take them outside the box things that they haven't thought about before things that are happening in their industry but maybe in a different country things that are happening in different industries but are related just to really get their mind out of what they currently do Monday to Friday I think also it's so important to have teams with mixed um, experiences. So not always have all the senior people at one team, you know, have a mix. Um, I would also always encourage the start of the workshop that there's no levels. So every um, every person's opinion has the exact same um, weighting. I actually think that's something I learned <laughs> in this master's, that there's no levels. Um, because actually during the master's, we had people who were super senior and then we had people who would come straight out of university. And, and that was something I definitely took forward, um, that everybody's opinion, everyone has a different opinion and it's and it's as worthwhile um I think the main thing that I do during workshops is I just want people to just think outside the box and there's no limits and don't think about your your cost your quality and your just do you know think out of the box um so I do things like I have wonder walls so that's kind of like things that are happening around the world just to kind of again just um spur creativity um I'm a big believer in design thinking I love design thinking principles um certain clients 
allow for it. Certain clients are a little bit more skeptical. So sometimes people are so open to it and you've got all the colors and the post-its and everything. But then for those that are a bit more skeptical, you just kind of have to hide it and, you know, bulk it up with the uh, content and then kind of... But, but overall, I think certain clients who would be so, you know, against, not against design thinking, but they would have their views. I think they come out of the workshops after doing design thinking and they're like, oh, that actually was worthwhile and it got me to think outside the box and, and that type of thing. I think that some people think that design thinking is like a fad, but do you think that it is a fad or a kind of a paradigm shift? Like, would you see it going forward? I do. I think it's it's brilliant, as I said, just to kind of think of those out-of-the-box North Star ideas. And then, obviously, you can ground them um, following those type of workshops. I think it's, you know, there are people that are, you know, traditional thinkers and they, you know, see it all, as you said, like, a, what are these what are these consultants doing coming in with their post-its and their, you know, pictures and all that. But I think it is so good for um, just spurring on creativity. Um, and once it is backed up by your research and your insights and everything, I think people are a lot more accepting of it. Um, but I don't see it going away. And I think I've had such great results with it, you know, just particularly because we're so used to working in our own environments and everything. I think it really gets people to be a bit more creative and fun and playful. I think that's so important um, in terms of ideation. I think it helps to extend the perspectives, definitely, especially if you collaborate with it. Yeah. Even what you were saying about the levels um, and kind of having no levels, it's kind of interesting because someone who might not have any experience might kind of have a very fresh perspective or, you know, more open mindset, that kind of a thing. So... Absolutely. And I think as well, particularly in the line of work that I do, you know, you're creating a lot of stuff for, you know, customers and users. And so having multiple perspectives in the room is so important. So um, that's why I'm a big believer of having as many voices in the room as possible. Thank you very much. Next question would be, has Agile finally solved the project lifecycle problem or is there always crunch at the end? Yes, there's a lot of contention around this because I would have one opinion. I was asking my colleagues about this question in advance because I was a bit like, I don't know. Like there's there's so many views on it. And I suppose it really, again, depends on the client and the, you know, area of work that you're working in. Um, I ideally like to work in agile environments, but I've worked on many projects where it's not... Um, it's not doable, really. And that's particularly where the systems are really complex and particularly around things like if it's, you know, compliance or regulatory reasons, they, they can't. Um, I guess when I was sitting in this room a few years ago, I thought agile is the way forward. Why would you do traditional methods? Um, but there is a place. Um, I think where you can do agile, there's such amazing benefits from it. Um, I think the end product, as you, I'm sure you're learning in, in, these, in these lectures, is, you know, more closely aligned to what the customer or the end user wants, which is brilliant. I think it also empowers people at lower levels to, to have a voice um, because it's very small teams normally the way they, that Agile works. Um, so I think it gives people the, the opportunity to kind of really put their hand up and um, take responsibility. So I think where you can do Agile, amazing. And if you can't, having those sort of agile methodologies where you can, so things like um, empowering people and having small groups and getting feedback along the process is, um, is brilliant. I think that's actually a really interesting answer because we've discussed obviously a lot about agile on this course and a lot of people have said from their personal experience that kind of people put agile in just for the sake of saying oh we're an agile organization so I think it's great that you can say sometimes it's good and then sometimes it's not just not kind of shoving it in just for the sake of it. Absolutely and as I said like some companies that I've worked for 
have systems that allow for it and it's brilliant. And then there's other companies that, you know, just due to their regulatory or the systems that back it up, it's just not possible. But um, I think the main thing is, I think the main thing that I've learned from Agile is just getting feedback as much as possible um, so that the end product is, is what the client or the end user wants as opposed to something that just ends up being shelved. I think it just helps to communicate in a lot of different ways. Absolutely. And so does the startup motto of fail fast and fail forage really apply to the corporate environment, do you think? Again, I think it depends on the environment. Um, I've, I've been really fortunate that I've worked across a number of industries, so financial services, resources, products, and then communications, media, and technology, which would be the, the tech giants. And certain companies have the ability to do it. So, you know, the technology companies are, are so keen and they and they do live by that because a lot of people think it's just a motto and it's not something that's a bit like to your point about the agile. But I remember working for a client and saying, having this idea and I was so junior at the time and they were like, yeah, let's go with it. And I was like shocked. I was like, there's no way. They're like, let's just <laughs> switch it on. And if it doesn't work, sure, we'll just switch it off in two weeks. So let's just see how it gets. And obviously you get really quick customer feedback and user feedback. Um, so that was exciting and that's brilliant and, and having that ability to do that is amazing. In my near six years, that's been the only occasion that we've actually been able to do that. Um, so it really just depends on the environment, particularly if you are looking at users, you don't want to in any way negatively impact the user experience because so quickly you can lose a customer through having a negative experience. So it was just that particular case we could. Um, so things like financial sector and, and public sector, it's a little bit more difficult to just turn things on. But, um, but yeah, I think in safe environments, it does work and it's brilliant. Um, but I, I am seeing more, I think you have to, particularly when customers are more purpose-driven and technology is, is allowing for it, you do need to think a lot quicker. So, you know, your customer's not staying around. It's so easy to switch. Switching costs are probably lower than they've ever been. So, um, yeah, customers do need to think a lot more fast. Now, if they can do it, just switch it on with the, the turn of a, of a button, maybe not. But being able to, to quickly adapt to rapidly changing um, customer expectations is really important. And it is something I'm seeing across industry. Excellent. Okay. Um, mentioning the customers, an area we haven't covered um, is when consultants need to troubleshoot, advise, and perhaps mediate some pre-existing client-supplier relationships. What are your experiences with that? So my experience to mediate that situation happening is to be in constant communication with your client. Like clients are super busy, but it's so important, even if you're getting them for 10, 15 minutes a day to just check in, tell them what you're doing is so important because often if you were to leave a week or two weeks, so much happens with the project and they're like, that's not what I wanted. So having to my point earlier around having that co-creation collaboration really does minimize that from happening. Um, so really, even if it's just a stand up or a quick check in in the afternoon, just to let them know your progress and how you're you know, going about reaching the goal is so important. Um, if something happens along the way that, you know, you didn't foresee something happening and now it's going to be, you know, the project's going to take longer. That can happen. And I think telling the client as early as possible is so important. Having that relationship with them, like don't be hiding things because they appreciate it, you appreciate it. And, and overall, the, the goal is achieved a lot easier. Um, so I think if, if you are facing any kind of difficulties, it's so important just to get to the client as soon as possible and just talk them through it. Um, and they're, they're, they're people, they understand. Um, so these things happen. So I think, yeah, they would be my two things. Meet with the client daily 
if not as regular as possible. And also if something does come up that you didn't foresee to just bring them along the journey and let them know where it's happened. Um, and most cases they're understanding. I can imagine that these transparency also builds up the trust, which especially is necessary in crisis situations. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're, I'm sure we've all learned that with COVID things have had to, you know, I, one benefit about COVID is that things, we can see that things can change so quickly. So, you know, this idea for just like a simple example that, oh, you have to work in the office and then all of a sudden you can't and we just have to adapt. So I think that's what I've I've enjoyed most about COVID so that we have been able to adapt so quickly. Um, so yeah, to your point about the crisis, just working with the client. And I think understanding, you know, the need to develop that relationship because, you know, you don't want to work there for just one project. You want to be working there for, you know, years to come and on, on multiple projects. So it's so important to build that trust from the beginning and just collaborate and co-create as much as possible. And picking up on what you said there about how COVID's kind of accelerated a lot of change and innovation. Um, what innovations do you see making a big impact in the near future? I think the one that I'm most excited about is the metaverse. And I'm not sure if many people in the room have much experience with that. But that's the one that I am most excited about at the moment. Um, I was fortunate to receive an Oculus with work. Um, so this this big box arrived a few weeks ago and I didn't know where to start and I wouldn't be a gamer and that was kind of my preconception that it was just yeah. for gaming and, and experiences that way. Um, I think it's amazing the things we've been doing like interviews through the metaverse and it's really helping us bridge the gap between that virtual and physical. Um, so while we work in a hybrid, being able to meet in the metaverse is amazing. Um, creating your avatar and everything. I've, I've, I wouldn't be the type of person that we would be mad into gaming or, or you know, that type of thing. Yeah. But I really enjoy it. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> um, but, but what has me so excited is I think it's a new technology that we have the ability to shape and create. And someone kind of, you know, said it's, it's a bit like looking at a chair, right? So the people, when the chairs first came about, we sit, we sit in such a way because of the people who designed it. And that's the way I kind of see the metaverse, that we have the ability to design and shape this amazing new technology um, and do so in, in the right way. So, um, I mean, you're already seeing things like abuse and harassment happen in the metaverse. So we need to be so so careful about how we govern it and, and the rules we put in place. Um, but yeah, I think it's super exciting because it is something that our generation of, of of workers will be able to, to shape and create. And and you're seeing so many different industries, like traditional industries using the metaverse, like you've got banks and and all, you know, all sorts of companies um, purchasing space in the in the metaverse. And then you've got people buying real estate in it for hundreds of thousands of euro or, or whatever currency. And I just find that and my head's still getting around it, yeah. but um, I am most excited about the metaverse. I think also, there's so many innovations around sustainability at the moment. Um, and that's an area I've gotten really interested in because I can't not be interested in it. So every client that I've worked on this year, even if it's not, you know, a core sustainability project, there is a sustainability lens in every single project because customers are becoming increasingly purpose-driven, as we said, and they're demanding this. Like they don't want just greenwashing saying, oh, we're a green company. You know, they want to see the transparency. You know, they want to see how are you being a green company? How are you being sustainability? How are you getting to net zero? Um, so I think there's so many innovations that are happening in that space, particularly I work in finance transformation and that's massive how we, how we you know, report our sustainability efforts. So 
Um, they're the kind of two and two things that I'm most interested in innovation-wise. And what would you say is the leading the kind of sustainability? Would you say that it's kind of the legal aspect of it, or the kind of customer focus of it? We were just discussing sustainability actually before you came oh, in, great. so it's very uh, apt. I think obviously there are now legislations that you have to reporting and, and that type of thing, and so that is that is one driver. But I think it is really the customers. I think you know as we discussed earlier, like switching is so easy and customers are demanding this and and the new customers are so purpose driven and and it's and it's funny because a few years ago people would have been all about cost and that's no longer the case. Like if you look at things like even getting a mortgage, you know, customers want to know that their banks are, you know, you know, they're green and they're, you know you know, they have sustainability agendas and, and, and all that kind of thing. So price is no longer, though it is a factor, I think customers care a lot more about being purpose-driven and they want to know that the companies that they're engaging with care about their cares and, and people um, are really into sustainability, so they want to make sure that the companies that they're engaging with are awesome. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Uh, on that note, we will wrap it up there. Great. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and experiences. No problem at all. Very insightful. Thank you for listening to Design Talk. The music used is Check Them In by Emma Grace. Credits and links in the show notes.